0: Welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion On Air podcast. The podcast is a program of the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges, Diversity Matters Initiative. The podcast explores various issues related to diversity and inclusion in the veterinary profession and provides the AAVMC an opportunity to offer ongoing diversity programming to our member institutions, as well as all veterinary professionals. My name is Dr. Lisa Greenhill, the Senior Director for Institutional Research and Diversity at the AAVMC. Now, today's topic is something I've been kicking around for a long time and thinking about, especially um, in the last year or so, because I see a real some real patterns, sometimes that can be a little bit concerning in social justice work or diversity, equity, and inclusion work, um, that don't, these patterns don't allow for kind of this. Um, corrective redemption, if you will, um, some restoration. Um, so this pattern, um, really, this is kind of how it looks. Um, someone does something racist, sexist, ableist, homophobic, transphobic, or otherwise offensive. Um, often, it's caught on video. <laughs> uh, or it's in a comment section or on social media um, or some other kind of documented thing, right? Um, There is a reaction to the incident. Um, It often goes, air quote, viral, Um, and in the process, um, what ends up happening is the person who um, committed the offense ends up being doxxed, i.e. all of their personal information kind of gets out there in the universe. Um, Folks are looking to fire them. uh, Sometimes they get death threats, all of these kinds of things, Um, and so then that, you know, the, the offender becomes the target of bad behavior under the guise of accountability. Now, I am all about accountability and consequences for your actions, but I'm also um, a proponent of uh, creating space for growth, lessons learned, um, education, compassion, and an opportunity for redemption, right? Not everyone is going to go that path, (laughs) right? But, you know, I'm hopeful, I haven't completely abandoned hope yet. Um, This is kind of hard to practice though um, in a cycle that really oftentimes um, comes down to kind of these two options. Um, and that uh, those options are either maintaining the status quo or full-scale destruction, elimination, or air quote, canceling, right? Um, and so today's show is really about, um, you know, creating space for restorative justice. Um, and what can that look like? So Long intro to, to today's show. Um, to talk about this, I am delighted to welcome my trusted pal over from AVMA, Dr. Jen Brandt, to chat about council culture, restorative justice, and everything in between. Hi, Jen. Hi, Dr. Greenhill. It's a pleasure to be here today. It is great to see you. <laughs> this is my buddy for like uh, you know, shows that are really touchy. I call on Jen. So why don't we uh, just get on into it? Let's talk about some definitions that kind of set the scene a little bit. And so, you know, I've got this list that, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of what does justice mean and accountability and all of these kinds of things. So um, justice is what? It's People kind of getting what they deserve, if you will. Right? That's kind of supposed to be what it is. Um, I do like uh uh Cornell West talks about justice being what love looks like in public.
1: Mm, I like that. Which I really like.
0: Um, but uh any thoughts on, you know, how do you, how do you frame justice?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a tricky definition because it's often associated with fairness, which it isn't, right? It isn't fair um, or making something right. But it, it's really been more of a legal term that the, that the law decides what makes it right and not necessarily in the eyes of the person who experienced the harm. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And so, you know, we talk about, um, these things. And when, you know, this kind of cycle happens, right. And it is very much this cycle and we see it all over and over and over and over again, where, you know, ultimately what people want when something kind of goes down, right. Is accountability, right. That's really what we want. And so, you know, um, we want to be, we want folks to be held accountable, which is kind of a part of that justice kind of umbrella, it kind of comes under there. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it really is about, you know, yo, you gotta own up to the consequences. Like you did the, what did they say? You did the crime, you do the time. Of course, we know, that like, that's not real. But (laughs) I mean, you know, it's supposed to be, but but there's a lot of evidence that that's not real either. Um, So what about reconciliation and restoration?
1: So, um, again, the tricky when we look at the definition versus what we really want out of it, when we look at uh, reconciliation, one of the definitions, which I don't like, is make friendly again. Um, which which is a definition of it. I think yes. where I struggle with the term reconciliation is it's so often lumped in with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I have had long chats about that and my uh, my perspectives on kind of forced forgiveness and the the, the social pressure to forgive, mm-hmm. but even further, a social presser, pressure to reconcile. And yeah. um, a person who's been harmed can make peace with what happened, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they want to reconcile with the source of that harm,
0: yeah, you know, so often when we see, you know, kind of a major event, um, uh, you know, just the the Charleston Nine and and the yeah, shooting the in um, Mother emmanuel years ago, a few years ago, you know, literally the next day, the you know, folks, the media were like, so, oh wow, so you know, do you forgive the person who did this? And I'm like, okay, but we haven't clean the blood out of the sanctuary yet. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna need you to go just (laughs) go take a couple of walks (laughs) around the world while we get ourselves together. You know, and and like there is this push for forgiveness as you as you mentioned and this reconciliation like okay we're gonna be cool again. Mm -hmm. No, (laughs) not right. Not exactly right. You know, um and and then finally, I kind of I kind of wanted to set the stage with cancel culture, which so I went down a rabbit hole.
1: So did I. <laughs> um,
0: so I can't wait to hear what rabbit hole you went down. But the first time, apparently, that this kind of term canceling was popularized in some way was from Al Rogers, a Mal Rogers song in 19. Like, yes. <laughs> Chic. And <laughs> hey, for folks that are like, you know, um unfamiliar, uh, you don't know necessarily who Nile Rogers is, like a great icon, um, you know, uh freak out, yes, freak out fame. <laughs> <laughs> Right, um, but he had this song uh, where you know uh, he was talking. He was trying to kind of date this woman, and the woman just really kind of only wanted him because he was now Rogers, and was like, "I want the perks of your fame." And so he talked about canceling. He, your love is canceled. Right, right. I found that fascinating. I was like, "Where? How did I not know this?" Right. Um, and then after that, did you go? Did did you detour to New Jack City? I
1: did. I got to New Jack City. <laughs> That's
0: a new, so we detoured to New Jack City, which is actually, you know, low key, one of my favorite movies of all, <laughs> of all time. Um, and I remember the line where they talk about, you know, a character is canceled because, you know, they found they, they said she was a traitor. Right. And so mm-hmm. this idea of cancel culture is is not new. Um, um, but then kind of in the early aughts, um, when, in the birth of Twitter, um, you know, on Twitter, black users often kind of use this term to say, you know, so-and-so is canceled because, you know, they did something that, you know, the community disagrees with or an individual d- disagrees with. Like, so for example, R. Kelly canceled, canceled. <laughs> <laughs> right? canceled, right? And so Jeff Epstein canceled. canceled. Like those kinds of things, you know. David right. Duke canceled, right? I mean, yeah, never mind. Anyway, so, you know, so there's this kind of um and it really what it is is this this public um disapproval and it is a form of ostracism. So, you know, it's your um, you know, for those literary folks, um Hester Prynne and Scarlet Letter, it's really like That's what it's supposed to be about. Like, you know, it's not that they're never supposed to come out again, but like they wear (laughs) that, um, you know, that uh, uh, disapproval kind of like, Hey, Mm -hmm. there it is. Um, You can continue on, but don't expect much from us. So is that the rabbit hole you went down? Did you get more? What'd you get? Yes. What'd
1: you get? <laughs> I think I am such a nerd. So yes, I went on the same rabbit hole and then followed it to Lil Wayne um, and videos. And what what was interesting to me, and, and then it did, as you said, made it to black Twitter, um, black queer Twitter specifically. Yes. yes. And it... I What's interesting is, though, it was really just the word cancel in the beginning. Right. The, the right. culture came later, and I know we'll talk about that. But this concept of it was simply about accountability. Yeah. And it was communities that had not had a voice, who had not had any power um, of, of influence. And it was a way to just say, we're holding you accountable. And and what's also interesting to me is the same community, the Black community, mm-hmm. were really the first to critique uh, the concept uh, with the as with the um with the reasons you gave, they said we want to keep the element of accountability, um and at the same time, we believe in reform. We believe in rehabilitation. um we believe in somebody being able to say, "I made a mistake. I mm-hmm. want to come back um in that process. And so, you know, how do we keep the accountability without necessarily shaming somebody? into disappearing. And it was really when white culture, um, you know, this discomfort that came about from a community in the white community that got away with behaviors that caused harm forever, right? And now all of a sudden there was this tool that could call somebody out and you didn't have to have a ton of money or power, you could get on social media and call somebody out. Well, imagine the discomfort of what happens when you go from having zero accountability to now public accountability. And that sense of, I don't want to be held accountable became something to push back against. And so that then we were labeling it cancel culture. Yeah. Then we weaponized that, like we weaponized the term woke and we, I yes. mean, the white community, I'm going to own that. Um, and Then then that became the issue. Well, you're just trying to cancel people. Well, no, we're trying to hold people accountable. And that is an appropriate social action um, in a world, you know, where we want people to thrive.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it really isn't, wasn't supposed to be, you know, um, go off into the island in the middle of the Pacific to never be heard from again, right? There is uh, go off, take your time, and maybe in a year, you can kind (laughs) of come back, right? So, so, you know, I also kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, prepping for the show and and thinking about cancel culture and the Me Too movement, right? And how many um, folks kind of came tumbling, (laughs) tumbling down and were canceled in some way right so there were very public people who lost uh their jobs mm-hmm. right there were public public people like we still haven't heard from matt Lauer. like i don't know where he right. is but i'm sure he's doing just fine like he was really really rich he's he's gonna be yes. okay <laughs> like i'm sure he's happy he's sad he's not on tv anymore However, he's going to be okay. But things like, you know, um, I think it was like a, less than a year later, CK Lewis was back um, doing stand up, and people were like, bruh, it might be a little too soon, right? It might be a little too soon. And we haven't seen you do anything, again, being held accountable <laughs> to, right. to these behaviors. Like you haven't acknowledged that you did this. You haven't tried to figure out how to make it right. Um, and now you're just back out to telling jokes. No. Nah, right. And so it was like, no, 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 no. Back to the cancel corner <laughs> for you right. for a little while longer. Right. Because we need to see behavioral change. And really that's what it was originally kind of conceived as. Like, it's not, it doesn't have to be forever. Um, you know, grace is, is available to those who seek it. redemption is available to those who seek it if you don't seek it then you get to stay over there and we're all cool but you know we have this friction um and and it has been weaponized and and it's been kind of hey people want um pc culture people don't want us to be able to say the things that you know we want to say what about free speech and i'm like hey you can say whatever you want to say but again we get to this accountability and the consequences of Uh, collective actions right so so in thinking about that you know redemption and and restoration is available for those who want it this is a great tie-in let's see that smooth transition into the concept of restorative justice so what'd you find because jen and i've been reading about this for like (laughs) weeks now what'd you find
1: um again so interesting one a great evidence of cultural appropriation through the years right so they are the earliest signs of restorative justice back to original indigenous um people native mm-hmm. americans and and first nation in canada and africa and asia um it was really for centuries that was the case and and then got introduced this concept of punishment mm-hmm. um right instead of making right more punishing wrong like there was this shift that happened and then over the centuries even more that sending out punishment then became more of an act of the state Mm -hmm. um against the offender and the victim, the person who was actually harmed in the process somehow completely got cut out um, of the process. And then the term itself, I think is credited and, and of course history may have written itself conveniently, but credited to a psychologist, Albert Glash, who wrote a paper uh, using the term in the seventies. And then right in that same time period in the seventies, both in Canada, at least in the U S and I'm sure elsewhere, there was a uh, talk then, it was not called restorative justice then, it was uh, victim offender mediation mm. or victim offender reconciliation. So this concept came on board to at least bring the parties who have been harmed back in if they choose to be in the way that they choose to be so that they have a voice in the process as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, if if any of our viewers or listeners have um, been a victim of a crime or know someone who has and kind of has gone through the full like adjudication of that you know following that event you know that yeah they they might check in with you but you don't really mm-hmm. get a whole lot of say right now that you really just don't they just kind of are reporting back to you what's going to happen next what the DA is going to do what the judge is going to do, what the probation, like, and, and it's, it it is, um, it is like looking into a window. Like you're, you're yeah. not in, you're not in the space where it's happening. You just get to look at it. Even though the whole process is about something that happened to you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, I um, I worked. My background is working with survivors of crime and trauma. And I found the the court system, you know, again, when we call it the justice system, that was not my experience. It wasn't necessarily just so if you were a victim of a crime, it often got taken out of your hands. So the process was happening at you. But honestly, you were incidental. Um, the outcome may have not been anything that you wanted or asked for. You may not have even wanted to participate in the process and the law may have mandated that you did, even though you had a better sense of what might keep you safe. And so, um, yeah, when it's only handled in the court and there's no other process about it, the, the voice of the people who have been harmed is, is often lost and negated. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so when we pull that out of kind of the criminal justice, uh, Space, which is really kind of where this work um, is is primarily taking place, that um, in the criminal justice space as well as K through twelve education, and kind of thinking about how um, we help young people um, mediate conflict. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we talk about it through the lens of social justice work or um, DEI efforts, say here and in vet med we really just want to be able to, to drill down and say, okay, all of this stuff that's happening around is happening, um, but that doesn't actually truly address the harm that has been done. Um, mm-hmm. That Those calls for accountability sometimes are off the mark. And, and it's because as I mentioned in in the opening, we think of this binary, right? So if the offender gets to keep their job or if they get to, or if, you know, because HR issues are private, right? So you're not gonna hear what's gonna happen. It just looks like, well, you didn't do anything, so we want them fired, right? And that's, right. that's it. It's very much a binary rather than thinking about um, how do we come to um, resolution. And that doesn't mean that we're going to be friends. It doesn't mean we're going to go right. for a beer afterward. It doesn't mean <laughs> that um, we're even going to say anything more than, than an acknowledgment a pleasantry when we pass each other in the hallway in our workspace it means that we are gonna sit down um, and have a conversation about what happened and talk about how do we move past this and how do we make it right so is that kind of what you know so so how do we do that what are what are the elements like right let's talk about you know just um, some of those kind of the big thematic pieces right so um, you know, we have to be able to say, hey, there's this thing that happened that you did and mm-hmm. it hurt me. Right. And again, it's about giving the victim this, this space mm-hmm. right, to, um, and voice um, to, to say that. Oftentimes that gets lost. So so, what are some of the other um, elements?
1: Yeah. And I think of a safe space to say that, right? Because victims have certainly spoken up in the past. And then um, even though it's illegal now to have any kind of retribution happen to you, there are many people who can say it happened anyway. I got silenced. I didn't get put on committees. I was labeled a problem. I, my hours start, Right. So it's really about creating a safe space. So it it is about a dialogue. Really, the elements are you come to the table. Is that what all the parties want with heavy attention on what the victim is asking for? Having that full reconciliation where somebody says, as you said, I harmed and being really clear and no excuses, right? Well, I harmed you, but, um, or I'm sorry, you were harmed. Like, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I did the thing that caused the harm. Um, and, and sometimes, um, generally you might want a mediator or some neutral present in the room. Sometimes there's restitution involved. Sometimes there's community service involved, but it really begins with this, uh, you know, contact, this communication that is safe and appropriate for all parties.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is, you know, this is one of those things where, um, sometimes a simple apology a real apology. We'll get to that in a minute. A real apology fixes mm-hmm. enormous problems. Right. Um, but this is also why, you know, when we see someone again, social media, social media can be great, but it also is just, you know,
1: <laughs> not great.
0: Sometimes. It's just trash. It's just trash. <laughs> But, but this is kind of, you know, they call it like the iOS apology, right? And so, um, you know, the, the celebrity taps out something on their little phone in notes and then like posts it <laughs> somewhere on the Twitters or Instagram, or, you know, for those of us of folks of a certain age, Facebook, um, you know, and they, 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 they put it up there. And, and then the public that is looking for this accountability then begins to pick apart the apology. And, and okay. I want to be really, really clear about why they pick it apart. When apologies say things like, I'm sorry, you were filling the blank. <laughs> Offended. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, that is not a genuine apology. That is, that is, that does not accept responsibility. Um, it is hey, you woke up and you were super sensitive. And like, if somebody else had said this, you probably wouldn't have benefited, right, today. Or yeah. on next Friday, if you had seen whatever I said, then, you know, you probably would have reacted differently. It is that like, all of this is on you. Your reaction is your problem. And yes, we do take responsibility for our individual behaviors and reactions. But if you did harm, <laughs> You got to own that. Right. And so, you know, you know, this, this piece of what does repairing harm look like? Right. And so, Mm -hmm. so Jen, you know, what are some of the ways where, what, what can that look like? What can we do? Um, you know, it's interesting. People how to say, I'm sorry, like they should have been taught in kindergarten.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, will, I will say, though, that's one of the foundational skills when we take when we take a look at this work. And a lot of times people say, well, how do you do DEI? Right. Uh, and I think they're expecting a big, grand answer some of the time. And the answer uh, it. Some of the answers are big and grand. Right. Often they are so foundational. And one of them is how to do an apology. So, it, you know, it's the I statement. I did something. You name the harm. No, but no excuse. Sometimes it's, I, I have, I've explored how that came to be. And I take full responsibility for that as well. Now, maybe with your therapist, you can talk about all the elements that contributed, but the person you've harmed, that's not relevant. You've done the harm, you own that, and you name the harm. Um, Then you apologize sincerely for the harm. And if appropriate, if, if, you know, if the setting calls for it, it might be, these are the things that I'm going to do. Uh, I think of programs like 12-step programs that even talk Mm -hmm. about living amends, that sometimes it's a harm to the person to to contact them and apologize. Like just cause you want to be sorry and be forgiven doesn't mean the other person wants it. So again, it's always that the other person is engaging in this and willing and able to have that happen safely. And then it may be offering, these are the steps that I'm going to do. It's interesting, the science behind it, some will say that you then ask for forgiveness I don't find that that is helpful because I don't find that the person owes you that. What you can say is I will spend from now until the end of time doing better. And this is the way I'm going to do better. But that other person is maybe not going to be around to praise you and thank you. Like that isn't their job. It's, it's, it's yours to go do better. So there is a whole science behind apology. Uh, Even in the healthcare world, there's an, I'm sorry, works, Mm -hmm. Um, movement, movement isn't the right word, but it's escaping me right now that really talks about that and how you that you do a good apology but we're talking also fundamental skills like empathy and reflective listening that when done well and including when an apology is done well they can do imaging on your brain and see that certain areas of the brain have activated so one of the areas of the brain would be the reward center when it's been done well so it does have this healing effect yeah and it can also cause harm when it is not done well yeah
0: yeah um it, you know it is uh this idea of, yes, I am so sorry. I'm going to do right. I'm going to do better. Can you ever forgive me? Not right now. Like that is not the time, right? Because it does, it gets back to that. We're putting that pressure. One, they don't Mm -hmm. owe you that, but they're also putting this pressure because then guess who gets to be the bad guys? Then That's right. That's right. Don't extend forgiveness. Right. And Mm -hmm. so and this is restorative justice, restorative practices are our victim center, right? Yes. And and, and, and I, I also want to kind of just address this terminology victim, right? Because I think that that gets thrown around a lot as well, because folks are like, oh, you just want to be a victim so bad when someone says something racist, sexist, you know, right. homophobic, whatever it is. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be, a like no one wants <laughs> right. to have these experiences that are harmful, right? That's not, we're not just kind of trolling, like, let me see if I can just go to the Safeway today and troll down the aisle and maybe someone will say something nasty to me and, you know, we get to ruin everyone's day. Like that's, <laughs> that's not really kind of how it works. Um, and so this idea is that um, when, when we say victim, no, people are actually hurt hard. and words yes. do hurt. I know yes. that a lot of times we talk about six and stones we we'll break your bones. Yes, 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 yes. We, we get all that. Um, but it is in spite of, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it, it, it is, um, it, these things really do hurt. And so um, there is a victimization there um, mm-hmm. and a right, you know, and, and things, wrongs do need to be right. Right.
1: So why is this so hard, Jen? Why is it so hard? Oh god, so you know, cuz we're I mean, oh cuz we're human. Right. Um, you know, uh, I I think about the times when I've harmed somebody. Uh, it it just sucks, right? It sucks to to be called out. It sucks to be I probably that's probably not appropriate terminology no. for your podcast, but that's Gen speak. Um it it it, it is painful to look somebody in the eye and actually look at yourself in the mirror first and say, I have done something, whether intended or not is irrelevant. I have done something that had an impact of harming somebody. And it is so hard to sit with the discomfort of that, that I think even the example you were giving, when we say, well, some people wanna be victims, that is an easy default you know if i apologize and the person god forbid the person i've harmed isn't super gracious about it and just falling over themselves to thank me for my apology well, they just want to you know they just want to be a victim so it's it's once again deflecting well they have every right to respond however they would want to it doesn't negate what I have done, so I, I think that just that fundamental piece of sitting with pain that we have caused. I think we're hardwired not to do that, mm-hmm. and when we do, we will absolutely fundamentally believe that it's a, that it's. They just don't understand us, right? I'm being misinterpreted, and it's easy to fall on that instead of again. None of that's none of that matters. I harm somebody, and I got to own up to it. And so I, I think just at the root. Uh, I I think we as human beings can really struggle with that concept.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's, it doesn't just feel risky. It, it is risky, right? Because, um, you know, the hole can get deeper. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The hole can get deeper. Um, And, and, you know, I, I am, I mean, none of us are immune to, to this. There are things that, you know, happened 20 years ago that every now and again, I'm like, you know, I really messed that up and I never really apologized and I didn't make it right. And is it too late? Or boy, I, I remember it like it was yesterday and I know that had to hurt. Whoa, whoa, that really, that really sucks. Right. Um, and, and, and now all these years later, I'm like, well, can I still make it right? You know, can I still What does forgiveness look like? And that person may have forgiven me, but again, forgiveness also does not mean forgive and forget, um, and and it doesn't mean that we're going to be cool. It just means I'm going to stop dragging you on Twitter. Like that's (laughs) (laughs) like
1: it means. I love love the definition that I heard, and I am crediting it to Oprah. But I actually believe Oprah may have credited to somebody else. So if somebody has the direct source, but. Just that forgiveness is simply saying, I accept what is. It does not mean I'm saying it's okay. It does not mean I'm saying it doesn't have any effect on my life. It is like it, it happened. And so my, by forgiving, quote unquote, my energy is no longer going into, well, why did that happen? And I'm going to be mad. Like it just, it did. I'm at the place where I know it did happen and I'm looking forward. So that is what forgiveness is. That's that is why reconciliation can't automatically be tacked onto it, because by accepting what is I tell people sometimes forgiveness is almost the sure step that you will not be reconciling that I am so uh, at peace with what is that I accept that you are not capable of better. You will not ever be able to earn my trust. You have demonstrated. And I'm I get that so well now that you and I are never going to be hanging out again. Right. And that is the fullest expression of forgiveness. But I think social pressure, religious programming, like so many things. And and, and again, I think are hardwiring to be connected. Like so many things make that a very messy, difficult process for us. Yeah. So, uh,
0: so, you know, we've been really down and dirty and keeping it a hundred on, on the show today. So, you know, I, I think that I also want to talk about how folks might go about deciding whether or not to just cancel. And I'm not, ta- I'm just walking away, like I'm dragging mm-hmm. on Twitter and then like, boom, I'm done. Or, you know, Hey, I'm going to take a different path, um, and really say, let's see if we can have a meeting of the minds in a, in a way that is restorative, that there is a possibility of reconciliation, that at least we can get on the same page about what happened, the harm that was done and how we can grow from it. Right? Yeah. So, so do you have your own criteria? <laughs>
1: I, I, I do. It, I will say, I mean, some of it comes down to a moral compass, at least yeah. for me. And sometimes my moral compass fails. I will be the first one to say, I'm just going to own that right there. Right. So one thing I think about is, is it, what is safe? What is safe for me? What is the other party? Like, I, I just need to start at the basics. And then I have a mantra that kind of goes through my head. That's do you want to be right or do you want a right world? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that asked me to look at my motives. Like sometimes I might be feeling real petty that day and I, but I have just, I just have to own that. Right. Cause then that's going to come with a set of consequences that down the road may not feel so good. So what are my motives? What are my desired outcomes? And then being true to that. And, and so if you're asking, do you want to be right? Or do you want a right world? Sometimes the steps are the same. They will look the same. But sometimes they won't, like, right? So sometimes it, you would take a certain set of actions if you just want to be right and to heck with it. And by the way, you may be justified. It, it's where it's why the work is so much deeper than that and it's not so simple. And you'll even have people say, oh, you were right to do that. But like something about it, just deep inside may not sit right with you or it may sit right with you then, but night, not five minutes or five weeks down the road. So- that, that for me is the determinant. It's not that there's a, a one right path or a one wrong path. It's, is it safe? What is motivating me? What do I most want? I think what, what creates the greatest good in the world? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, holding myself accountable to that, knowing that some days I'm like, I don't care about the greatest good, right? (laughs) now. I'm just feeling petty, 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 petty. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yeah. You know, I, um, I agree with all of that and, but I also think about time, right. And do, and sometimes I just, I need a day or so to really process what happened, um, right. What was said, what was done, whatever it was, were there witnesses, um, you know, um, is there, um, will speaking out about it in public spaces, create more harm um than good um Mm -hmm. uh how i'm not yeah i have super petty days as well um (laughs) but do i believe that this person is capable of redemption Mm -hmm. um and i will be completely honest there are folks that i'm like no So, so so right and i just speed on past right lick my wounds but but you know, I, I do, you know, um, Patricia Lowry told me, uh, I, I remember asking her for advice one time and she, you know, I, and I tell people this advice that she gave me years ago and it is what does success look like? Right. What does mm-hmm. success look like? And, 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 um, you know, I often kind of pull that out the back pocket to, help guide me, usually out of my petty (laughs) hole, um, like (laughs) what does success look like and and say, okay, like, is there something that can come out of this? What does healing look like for me? Mm -hmm. Um, And is there there an opportunity here to really, yeah, do something good, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, And sometimes, oftentimes, it, there is, um, you know, oftentimes there is. And I think that it is really important, though, for folks to know, um, you know, we are all going to at some point in our lives, either have been or will be on one side of this, like we will be the offender or we will be the victim. Yes, right? right. <laughs> um, and um, I think that reflecting on our positionality, um, is important. I think that, um, thinking about what do I really need to heal, right? Mm -hmm. What do I need to heal? Um, if I am the offender, what, um, like, tell me what it is that I need to do to make this right like, because oftentimes we don't ask. A lot of times, I mean, and this isn't just in terms of, um, you know, offenses or whatever. A lot of times we just don't ask people what they need. We just say, okay, here's the menu of options. Pick one that's closest to whatever it is that you, (laughs) you know, are looking for. And, um, you know, not all jigsaw puzzles are going to together pieces are going to fit together and so you know it really is about um also embracing some humility there oh gosh and, saying, and that's that's hard <laughs> like it's hard yes. you know trying to say yo i really i really messed up um and i caused a lot of drama and now like i've closed all my social media accounts because <laughs> I don't, like because things got really weird. And um, how do I make this right? How do I, what do I do? Um, tell me what to do. And and I think that, you know, those are things that really kind of try to guide me. I try to think about my positionality. And I also, even as a victim, once I have had that time to process, think petty thoughts, figure out how, hold, how big the hole that... <laughs> <laughs> Your body's going to fit in, it needs to be <laughs> like, and I pull back. Then I, th- then I really try to say, all right, what does compassion look like? And what does empathy look like? What would make someone do this? Yes. Right. What would make, yes. somebody, what like, what is so wrong in this situation that would prompt this type of behavior? Um, and, and, and that is oftentimes what I can get to drag me back, um, mm-hmm. to the table and say, okay, you know, I really would like to have a conversation about this and yeah, we might meet a third party so that it doesn't turn into a WWE Monday night broad. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: I, a couple things were pictures were running through my brain as I was listening to you. And I think one of them is, you know, again, with this cancel culture, often there's a person harmed and we feel such indignation about it that we pile on mm-hmm. and we never ask the person harmed, Do you want me to pile on? Like we... So, right. So sometimes we inadvertently cause more harm. In fact, it, we'll see this play out on social media where the person is saying, I am not asking you to do this. In fact, please stop. And we are so justified in our outrage and anger that we um, continue to pile on. So I think that's just an uh, awareness. And, and then I think you said that time uh, to step back and reflect, I think, really knowing what your core values are. And I'll, I'll often come back to that as my own exercise, like, like, let's just revisit my core values. And am I being consistent with that? And, and in line with the petty, I, I often say that, you know, that really working in alignment with your values and taking what I call the high road and coming back to a place of compassion and empathy. There are times when it's just like, I don't want to adult today. You know, I just don't want to, I want to sit on the floor and pound and scream and just be mad. And what I try to do is allow myself now, by the way, I don't publicly (laughs) like in the grocery store fall out and have a scene, but I, I like, you know, Brant, you get that today. So where you don't harm anybody, you get a journal, it. you get to say it, you get to process it with a friend, and i might need 24 if i'm really if i've been really harmed and fear has been activated and anger has been activated i'm i'm going to need more than a, a minute to do that you know 24 48 hours then come back to my value system and and like you even though sometimes it feels like an agonizing process I will say, for me, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I can come back to empathy. It, it might take me a minute. It might feel like I am really <laughs> all exhausted by the time I get there. Yes. But you know that, by and large, most people are not wired to actively, purposely cause harm. I've I've said before yes. that there are there's a few percentage in the population that that do, but the rest of us are causing harm without intending and without yes. knowing any difference. So, what led to that? Also, what led to my reaction the way I did, because somebody else might not be reacting the same way I do. So a little self-awareness. And then with that sense of compassion, can I approach it with empathy? And I will say, if we're looking at fair, is it fair to have to be the adult who's been harmed to come back? No, no. But is there a higher value than that? Like the true meaning of justice, I consider a higher value than fair. You know, we're really working toward a right world with real justice. And so the higher value, can we come back to that? Uh, But all of this to say it's hard work, It's ongoing process. You're going to have petty moments because you're human. The goal is to mitigate the harm to the extent that we can in that process and then come back to the table aligned with your true values, willing to own your behavior and do better going forward. Yeah.
0: So, you know, you brought up a group that we haven't talked about because we've been really focused on the victim and the offender. And that's the bystanders, either um, in Mm -hmm. real time bystanders or the aftermath bystanders. Right. Um, And and, you know, when things go viral and there's the piling on, right, Um, the pile on can be very devastating. Um, um, But what folks I don't think always realize is that it can be devastating for both parties involved. One, the victim oftentimes loses control of their narrative for their story. That's right. Right. Yes. When it goes viral. Um, and, um, and, and for the offender, oftentimes those types of reactions where everybody is kind of piling on and retweeting and, oh, my God, oh, my God, um, for the person, the offender, it you know, um, I'm coming from a Judeo Christian background. So, you know, there was a, there's the, the, um, thing in Exodus where, um, you know, God hardens the heart of Pharaoh. Right. And so that, mm-hmm. that, the, it can be the result of it can make folks double down on yes. the, the bad behavior. Right. Yes. Um, because again, admitting <laughs> that she did something bad can be really, really, really hard. It's really, really hard, um, and so then that person, ha- you know, don't worry, they still have a community that they can run to and that they can go to. But you may sometimes the unintended consequence of these viral events are that um, that that any chance for. Um, restoration, any chance for growth for the offender is also shut down because um, there is absolutely no compassion and no empathy now don't get me wrong I'm not suggesting that that you know it's all roses and champagne and like oh my god like you know Jeff did this thing and it was uh, uh, you know? but but I really think that that we need to be very mindful when we're sharing and retweeting and everything because, one, the victim may be losing control of their story and what they want, and oftentimes, in the moment that something was posted, that moment passes, mm-hmm. right, and you can't get it back because it's just out there, and um, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm thinking about um, the recent—was uh, this mm-hmm. last week? The recent, yes, the um, you know, if we were you're not on social media and you're kind of under a rock. Uh, there was a huge blowout last week at, you know, um, a Victoria's secret in in New Jersey where, you know, as uh, to quote Victoria's secret, there was an altercation between two (laughs) customers. And I'm like, between probably wasn't the right word altercation, probably not the right word either, but it was really ugly, right? And so, um, Uh, A white woman who I think may have had some other issues um, melted all the way down, like ice cream, cement, summertime, melted, (laughs) just melted, Um, melted down. Um, And black woman was continuously asked to change her behavior to accommodate Mm -hmm. um, this meltdown. Um, And and you know she recorded it, she uploaded it, she's kind of given um, you know um, some. uh, she, she put it out there and then it kind of spun out. So a few days, you know, it, it, it went viral and the coverage then actually <laughs> became more about her um, than it did about, um, you know, the person who assaulted her the person who yes. had this bad reaction right and and you know she has continued to try to control her narrative like on YouTube and she she was like I don't want to give interviews because of the way that folks are approaching me as though yes. I prompted this bad behavior and and so I you know I think that it is um, worth the caution. Um, when we are sharing things, when we're piling on, when we believe that what we're doing is supportive, just recognize that that support is, can, can not be supportive.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I would Um, say, uh, if. If your audience takes anything away, I hope they are really listening to this, Um, that 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 piling on mentality. Again, in our brain, we know why we're doing it. We think we're uplifting a voice. I always say, did the voice ask for your help? Um, Because in this case, uh, the person who'd been victimized did but she was very explicit about what would be helpful. It was right. not sharing the video a thousand times. It was not commenting on it. She had a very specific yes. ask. So mm-hmm. meet meet that need. So there's that piling on. And then it, it's interesting in, in my career as a social worker, I've worked with people as clients who've been on either side of that. Um, and often- on the victim side of it, it's just overwhelming as you said. It, it they it is not being viewed as helpful. They will say, you know, they are speaking up for me because they think I don't have a voice. What do they think they are doing? They've they've stolen my voice. Right. They've made it worse for me. They've made it so I can't go to my job and try to live my normal life like I was coping with it okay the helpers did that to me. Uh, And I know when we're engaging in those behaviors, we are not thinking about it from that perspective. We also don't really ever have the facts. We were not there. And yes, I know we see video, video footage, but we don't see all of the video footage. And again, the person that's central to the story was not asking for our help in that way. So I really hope I hope people take that message to heart that there are ways to help and there are ways to be allies and amplify the voices, but you know, man, get an invitation first um, yes. and, and honor the and wishes. directions and <laughs> follow directions. Yeah. Like what is helpful for you may very well, not at all be helpful for someone else at, at best and may cause active harm at worst. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Follow directions. Ask them again. Oftentimes we don't, you know, that we keep coming back to this, we don't ask people what they need. Um, mm-hmm. we come up with what we believe are appropriate, you know, solutions. And again, oftentimes they're on a binary. Yes. <laughs> it's like total devastation and annihilation versus, you know, nothing, right? It's all right. nothing. And and that's really not the world that we live in. Um, so really do ask, ask folks. So um, as we get ready to wrap up, um, how do we try to really practice this in our colleges, in our practices, in our workplaces, um, in our friend groups, because, <laughs> you know, a lot of us don't admit that we're petty, since <laughs> a camera.
1: We are. <laughs> so, so we, I am. I am. I, am at I will time. own it. I'm, I'm gonna. Own, yeah, I'm gonna own that all day. Um, so again, I when we look at the continuum of justice, you know, there was the retribution and punitive. We've got restorative justice. There's, there's even there's a move now into something called transformative justice. And so, when we think about if we've caused a harm and we try to fix the harm, that's great, right? But, but what led to that? What led to those conditions that created that moment that made it be possible? So, again, it's not this big grand answer that people are looking for, but it's stepping, It's it's being curious, identifying your values, and then asking questions like, "How do we teach children about concepts like consent and accountability?" You know, can you imagine raising a generation of kids who can look you in the eye? And and of course, the parents, right? We're, we are we the adults are responsible for that. So what does accountability um, look like? What does a, a just world look like? What conditions are creating, um, are, are being created that allow this escalation of harm? Is the process of us trying to right the harm causing more violence and harm? Because we want a technique that's not. This is about Empathy, it's about reflective listening, it's about the art of an actual effective apology. Um, It's it's listening to people. So some of these are our core fundamental skills that I think because they're fundamental, we think we all have them, and yet we, we don't. We clearly do not all have them. And that I think is the foundation that we build. Though that creates the bigger ripple effect, where we can then bring in more prevention, so that we hopefully have less of these incidents to manage going forward.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. Um, that's absolutely great. And so, you know, I, I would say um, for our member institutions at AABMC, you know, when something kind of goes down, <laughs> as and we know it's going to go down, <laughs> something's always going to happen, right? Um, extend that invitation, have, have that talk with, um, the victim, um, ask if this is, um, a path that they want to go down. Um, cause again, it is victim centered, um, and then invite that offender, um, then invite the offender to see if that, that's something that, you know, um, they're willing to engage in and, and seek out that mediation, seek out if you're not, you know, don't have, uh, Um, some good skills and conflict resolution, get them, (laughs) get them, (laughs) get them. Um, Lots of places you can do that. So Mm -hmm. hit the Googles, Um, but really extend the offer of invitation to engage in this type of process where, you know, there is um, the acknowledgement that harm has been done. There is an appropriate Um, uh, uh, opportunity for the victim to have their say um, in in a constructive way, that there's uh, an opportunity for the offender to um, ask what would make amends, right? Um, And and really um, genuinely uh, sit there and and kind of try to work through that. And again, it doesn't mean that, you know, everybody, you know, is going to be all peachy keen, and just you know, and love at the end, but that there's some resolution, and that there is peace, and that you know, folks can move forward in really constructive ways. And so, um, you know, I would definitely say let's all try <laughs> to take the necessary time for that process, uh, for individual processing, but then really um, find ways to see if there is an opportunity for reconciliation and rest- restoration that is not absence of HR consequences That's but right. in addition to in addition to right um, this is really about accountability so um, anything else you are burning,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, as always, I always enjoy the questions that you ask. You get, you always make my brain hurt a little <laughs> bit, you know, because uh, you have that capacity to ask question. I always consider it like peeling the onion, like, and then what? And then what? <laughs> so thank, thank you, because you make me grow. You make me be better. Uh-huh. So um, I, I appreciate the questions that you ask, And I hope people are able to take some nuggets from this that they can apply right away in their lives.
0: Yes, yes. I um I will say that I am really committed to, 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 practicing this. And guess what? It's good for home life too. Like,
1: it's, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is.
0: Right. Just really kind of thinking about what these principles mean. So um, Jen, as always, you're one of the few people I will have this kind of conversation with in a very public way, live stream. There it is out there. Um, thank you to the, to, uh, Dr. Carey, Dr. Stone in the chat here live uh, uh, on the live stream. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. And uh, with that, I think we'll we'll wrap this episode. This has been another episode of AAVMC's Diversity and Inclusion on Air. Jen, I love you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. So uh, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and like us on Facebook. um, And uh, yeah, check us out next time. Thank you so much.